Hey there, Film Insight listeners. This is part two of our interview with Alex Ferrari of Indie Film Hustle fame. We are releasing this episode a week early because Mr. Ferrari's project on Seed and Spark, This Is Meg, has just one more day to raise funds. As of this recording, This Is Meg has just breached its crowdfunding goal of $15,000. Congratulations, Mr. Ferrari. But they still have many great stretch goals in mind if you wish to contribute. Please go to thisismeg.com and pitch in what you can. Thanks. Hey, Film Insight listeners, welcome to part two of our interview with Alex Ferrari. I'm Ben Yenning. And I'm Evan Plager. As we said, this week we have Alex Ferrari, the creator of Indie Film Hustle, the number one filmmaking podcast on iTunes. If you missed the first part of this interview, you can go to the link in the description. Let's dive right in. The takeaway from the way that you are creating content and value as a incentive for your crowdfunding campaign is an important aspect to contemporary crowdfunding by offering value within your brand to get people incentivized to contribute to your passion projects by building that community first you know who to target and talk to and offer additional value to whereas say a student filmmaker or a, or a just starting indie filmmaker who just crowdfunds out of the blue isn't going to have that base to draw from immediately and the archive of content to offer as incentive to contribute absolutely it's kind of, it's, it's similar to like if i was crowdfunding to open up a restaurant and then my big incentive to give them is I'll show you how I open up a restaurant. Like, I'll show you the nuts and bolts of opening up a restaurant. Now, that is obviously a very niche way of going about it. But with filmmaking, it's not. Because, yeah, we're a small niche. Indie filmmakers is not billions of people. But there are millions of people around the world who are interested in this topic and interested in becoming filmmakers more now than ever before. So I think it's something very valuable. I always look at it as, like, what would I find value in? Like, I would kill to watch a filmmaker that I either respect or even just want to watch him fail uh, <laughs> go through the process of making a micro-budget film. And through the whole thing, from how do you launch your crowdfunding campaign and uh, get an LLC for that project, all the way to how you distribute it, either self-distribute it or deal with distribution companies. And go through that entire process and watch the nuts and bolts of it all. I think that's extremely valuable. Even at, you know, we offer it at 17 bucks a month. I'd pay 17 bucks a month for that. I mean, can you imagine how much money I would save watching someone else make the mistakes or just showing me ways of not to make the mistakes in the first place? Indeed. I think people tend to underestimate the size of the independent film market. Even as recently as two or three years ago, filmmaking was the number one major in the U.S. Most times when I say that, people get taken aback a bit. So yeah, having a service that can help people avoid actually making the mistakes is definitely one very valuable thing. Another thing that, as far as I can tell, there really aren't many people doing. There's us at Producer Foundry. Pretty sure you touch on it in a lot of very tangible ways. So does Scott McMahon at Film Trooper. There's a handful mm-hmm. of us doing it. There's not yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. And um, then there's I'm... the no film schools of the world who mm-hmm. are, they've become this juggernaut, but they just put out content, constant, content, content. And there's nothing personal about that content. You know, I'm very personal with my stuff. 
That's true. I put myself up there. They've become this big, almost corporate entity. Ryan, the guy who created it, is not front and center anymore. You know, he's much more behind the scenes. So they've become this monster entity. But no film school, in my eyes, is a great barometer of what's possible. They have so much traffic. You know, I know a lot of guys that work there. I know a lot of the back end of what they're doing and how they're doing it. And I see the numbers. One article on me once. And I saw what happened within a day. So I was like, wow, there is a huge audience. Because filmmaking is such a broad topic. There are the cinematographers, the actors, the writers, the you know the people who want to produce, the distribution guy. The, there's so many different subjects within the subject of filmmaking that it's a, such a broad topic. But then you and I, have, I think, Ben, have talked about in the past, and I've talked to this with Jason Brubaker over at Filmmaking Stuff, screenwriting guys make a lot of money. Gear guys make a lot of money. People talking about gear, which is what No Film School is known for, talking about screenwriting, that's still the magical, beautiful, artistic part of the creation process. Nobody wants to talk about distribution. Not only distribution, nobody wants to talk about film festival strategies. Nobody wants to talk about how to crowdfund a freaking movie. That's work. Nobody Fundraising, yeah. budgeting, scheduling. Exactly, yeah. And tax incentives. Yeah. Who wants to know about the American film market? I mean, seriously. <laughs> it's ever the people that buy Ben's book. Buy Ben's book on Amazon right now. <laughs> but it's a very valuable thing. Like when I when I first yeah. had you on the show, you've told me you've gotten a lot of a lot of mm-hmm. recognition from that episode. Yes. Correct? Yeah, I have. Um it's still the number one place I get recognized from, even at events here in the Bay Area. Even at my events. <laughs> Which is funny to me because I think you were one of our early. I think you were like episode nineteen or you were 15. you were early on. Was that guy where you guys met? Don't you have like a meet cute story? <laughs> I think I reached out to you, didn't I, Ben? Yeah, you did. I think you might have heard of me either through my book or through Scott. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard that, that they had you on and then I was like, oh, this is mm-hmm. a great topic. Let me, I'd love to talk. Because don't forget mm-hmm. also when I, I have guests on, I like to pick their brains because I'm a filmmaker. So it's a, a great conversation to just like be able to pick the brain of, a, mm-hmm. of an expert in a certain field. So I always ask questions that I want to know. And I think that's one of the reasons why the podcast is as popular as it is, too, because I'm asking questions that, you know, it's not like fluff pieces. Like sometimes I'll grill a screenwriting teacher or, or guru about specific things in their books because I want that information out. You know, So uh, I've actually had some members, some uh, listeners go like, man, you grilled them. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know I felt a little grilled. I after, beat you up uh, your, too because I yes. wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, another thing is I actually take the same tack though. Half the reason that the five distributor interviews in the back of my book and the full extended interview with Daisy Hamilton are there was more that I wanted to make sure that everything I was writing in the book was correct. Um, and then I believed it was, and it turned out to be very correct and very good, but it's good to get some additional insight from financiers and distributors with much more experience than I had at the time. It also helps the book sell pretty substantially. Then the book became this great top-level summary with personal experiences from people who did similar things and saw success from it. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And, And believe me, I've had people ask, like, why haven't you written a book? I'm like, are you kidding me? No time. <laughs> you know, everyone uses different things. Like I leverage Indie Film Hustle and I and the podcast to do what I'm doing. Other people leverage their book like you. That's their calling card. You know, my uh-huh. calling card is my website and, and the blog. But look at Tim Ferriss. I mean, his calling card was the four hour work week. And uh-huh. now he's got 
arguably, I think, one of the top top 10 podcasts in the world. Something like that. He's got like 700 million downloads. It's like they call him the White Oprah. <laughs> Actually, Jamie, to, to be fair, Jamie Foxx calls him the White Oprah. <laughs> Jamie okay. Foxx called him like, I'm talking to the White Oprah. It's like, it's amazing. It's a great interview. If you guys haven't heard it, it's an amazing interview, those two. <laughs> So we've talked a lot about just the sheer volume of content that you produce. I understand the value of building a brand first, but I want to hear from you why it's important for filmmakers, for independent creators who are just starting out to start producing that content to develop themselves as an authority in their field in order to gain business for themselves. If you do not, and I'm going to be very clear to all the listeners here, if you do not build a brand as a filmmaker, it's going to be very difficult for you to break through. It's going to be very difficult for you to create any source of reliable income that you can make a living as an artist if you do not have a brand. Now, how you get that brand is up to you. You can have the Quentin Tarantino approach, which was you make Reservoir Dogs, and all of a sudden you've become a brand because of Reservoir Dogs, and that's the home run lottery ticket mentality. And then there is the guys who kind of just crunch it out, grind it out, build up that brand like Ben and I are doing and just build it out little by little, year by year. And then all of a sudden you've got a following, you've got a brand, and then you also have other projects. You know, for me as a filmmaker, I'm just starting out with my projects now as a, as a feature director. And hopefully that will build my brand even more and more. But you have to understand every filmmaker is a brand. Spielberg is a brand. Scorsese is a brand. Spike Lee, Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, they're all brands. They just handle their brand differently. Some of them are very, very astute brand people like Kevin Smith, who has become less of a director and more of a brand in the last 10 years. I love Kevin. I think Kevin's amazing. And he's still directing. And I do love, I love his voice uh, as a filmmaker. But uh, I think he's done a tremendous, a tremendously amazing job as building his brand up. Where it was him talking on stage, doing tours. He's built up a brand where a lot of filmmakers is in his position who might have not been in vogue after a certain point decided, you know what, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and I'm going to be able to make enough money to support myself and my family and do well doing it. And, and then I'll do whatever the hell I want whenever I want to do it. And that's exactly what he's doing. So... Whether you love him or hate him, you have to admire what he's been able to do for himself as a, a personality because he's become much more of a personality at this point. I think he's known more for being the comic book guy and doing shows online and his podcast and his AMC show than he is as a filmmaker. People forget that he's a director. Did you know that Producer Foundry does more than just this podcast? We also offer workshops both online and in person that are designed to help you develop your production company. Hone your budgeting skills with San Francisco's top UPM, who has worked with Tim Burton, Gus Van Sant, and many others. Learn how to pitch from a man who has been responsible for allocating over $3 billion in funding to mid-stage startups, or explore the world of marketing with a leading transmedia expert. Videos of these in-depth workshops are available at producerfoundry.com workshops. Links in the description. Join our email newsletter for monthly updates on everything Producer Foundry has going on. Blog articles, upcoming events, and of course, this very podcast. As a gift for your subscription, we will provide you a copy of our new ebook, The Entrepreneurial Producer. 
Whether you're a recent film school grad or a veteran indie filmmaker, the Entrepreneurial Producer provides wisdom in a set of anecdotes and best practices on important money-making aspects of film, financing, marketing, and distribution. Join now by clicking the link below to receive our monthly newsletter and get a free copy of this new ebook. Thanks. So to wrap up, pick your platforms and figure out the best practices for promoting your content on those platforms and tailor it to specific niches and build that brand familiarity before launching into your first project so that people know who you are and what kind of content you can provide as value to them. Yeah, I mean, it also depends on how you're going about it. I mean, if you if you study the boys over at Rocket Jump on YouTube, they jumped on the YouTube bandwagon early on, and then they just started making shorts a short a week, and they just show you how they do it, and they put that short out, and that was their content. And they would just be messing around, and that was the way they built their brand up to the point now they're, they're a huge brand making millions of dollars a year, and they're now doing Hulu shows and, you know, other kinds of content that they're actually being paid substantial amounts of money to do what they love to do. And, and in addition to running their, their rocket jump empire. But that's a, a way that they did it. Now, I'm not sure if that would work today. It might. But it took them years, years to build that audience up. It didn't happen overnight. It was a consistency that they kept doing it for day after day, week after week, month after month. Where it started to build up, you know, from 10,000, 100,000 to a million to I think they got six or seven million now followers. And that's how they did it. So there's a bunch of different schools on how you can brand yourself. I'm from the school of, as my name suggests, Hustle. And Ben, before Indie Film Hustle, you had never heard of me, I'm assuming, correct? No, I had not. Right. I literally came out of nowhere in a lot of ways. I literally had been out of the film business for almost three years selling olive oil (laughs) (laughs) would not have guessed that one hey but we've we've already covered sales experience translates very well to film production and fundraising um i'll tell you what no i wasn't selling olive oil i owned an olive oil gourmet company here in los angeles actually the largest olive oil store in los angeles at the time things i learned today (laughs) yes yes and i uh i ran that company for three years And I worked harder in those three years than I did in the last 17 in the film business. The reason why I went into that business in general was because I was burned out from the film business. I was in post hell, working on really, really low budget kind of, lack of a better term, Eric Robert movies. (laughs) (laughs) I know those. Yes, there's there's many of them. And I worked on Michael Madsen movies. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was the other joke Danny I was Trejo to make. movies and, and has nothing to do with those guys they're awesome actors but a lot of times they do lower budget movies with less than scrupulous people not all don't get me wrong I know good friends of mine have worked with all of them but but they were just rough and the, and the distributors kept beating me up and beating me up and beating me up to the point where I just like I'm out I just I just need a break and I fell into the deep dark hole that is the olive oil business uh and then after i closed it out i came back with a vengeance uh with indie film hustle but i literally came out of nowhere i literally started with nothing zero i launched my indie i I launched my twitter account on indie film hustle a month after i think i launched it's been less than a year and i'm at almost thirty thousand followers doing it like real followers and it's like Mm -hmm. just been pounding it pounding it pounding it pounding it and that's what you have to do you just got to pound it so it's it's a great experiment of I wanted to prove to myself that I could do something like this. And it was possible. 
but I had no idea if I could actually do it. Is there anything that you learned from selling olive oil that transferred to indie film production? Oh, yes. You have a great understanding of people. It's a great area because I worked uh, a lot of um, events and, and working in retail. You, you see the best and the worst of human beings and dealing with human beings and the characters you, you run into. It, it, it was actually quite wonderful in that sense. On the sales point of view, you have a product, you've got to package it, you've got to market it, you've got to hit a certain angle or um, perspective of how you're going to market that item. A lot of that transferred over to the film business and to Indie Film Hustle directly because a lot of the stuff I learned doing social media and stuff like that for my olive oil company, I transferred over and put it on steroids on the Indie Film Hustle side because I had done a lot of mistakes in that doing it, working on, in my olive oil company. You think it's tough trying to get attention in the film business? Try selling olive oil. <laughs> Try making crucible. a living yes. selling gourmet olive oil at 25 to 30 bucks a bottle in a world that you have to explain to people why olive oil is and why my olive oil that's $25, it's so much better than the $2 olive oil you're getting at the store. There's an mm -hmm. educational aspect of things you have to go through that. Then you've got to package it differently because then there's a, there's a bunch of other people who are selling $25 bottles of olive oil too that you have to compete with. So it's a direct competition. Like it's olive oil versus olive oil. Where in film, it isn't. It's not like action movie versus action movie, you know, because there's too many parameters that are different. You know, unless you have an Eric Roberts movie and an Eric Roberts movie. <laughs> Wait, what if you have an Eric Roberts and Michael Madsen movie? Ooh. <laughs> I've actually made that movie. <laughs> I actually, no, I'm not joking. I worked on that movie. They were both in it. It's... <laughs> It's exploded. It's, uh, yeah, it's it, it's not a apples to apples thing. Mm -hmm. So the competition's not as much about selling your product, competing with another product. That's why I'm never shy about giving away information because even if someone goes out and does a dramedy like my movie This Is Meg, it's not going to be my movie. It's a different mm -hmm. dramedy. It's a different perspective. Mm -hmm. It's a different everything. So it's a, it's not apples to apples. The harshness of a retail environment where the competition is so fierce taught me a lot about um, competition, how to market, how to sell. I was very successful. We were very successful in the olive oil game. We just decided it wasn't worth the work. <laughs> it was fucking brutal, <laughs> to be frank. But I learned a lot about that. So I transferred a lot of that information over to the film business. But like I said, if you think it's tough selling a film, try selling olive oil. By the way, while you're sitting next to another olive oil vendor at an event, selling the same product, not the same product, but the same price point, and selling olive oil. I think that's a really important point that you make that unlike consumer goods, film is from a perspective. And so even if someone does a similar idea, it's always going to be coming from their personal story, their perspective, their point of view. And so there's still a market for your idea, even if there's still similar things out there. Yeah, I mean, trying to put Captain America up against Batman versus Superman on the same weekend. Like that's just stupid. But because you're, you're pulling from the same pool of people who would watch both those movies. In all honesty, they're very different movies, <laughs> as the box office has proven. Uh, and, and they're just different. They might be in the same genre, but they're different. Different perspectives. Uh -huh. I know a few people who actually like Batman versus Superman. <laughs> I was not one of them. Uh, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs>
Yes, that is. Um, speaking of which... There are uh, many podcasts on the merits or <laughs> lack thereof on Batman v Superman, I'm yes. sure. On that note, uh, we'd love to have you on again at an actual second broadcast as opposed to recording. Uh, in the meantime, where can uh, our listeners find you? Uh, well, right now we're uh, in the middle of our crowdfunding campaign for This Is Meg. Uh, this Is Meg is a dramedy that I've put together. It's a micro-budget film that I am pretty much doing everything myself. And when I say everything myself means that it, it sounds like an exaggeration. But when I say that it was a heavy crew day on our third day of shooting because there was two people on set besides the actors and that mm -hmm. second person was me. That's the extent of my crew. It's me and a boom guy. I do everything else. And I, and I don't advise everyone trying to go down and do this path. But because of my experience, because of my resources as far as post-production is concerned, and you know, I bought my own camera rig, I built my own camera rig up, my experience as a colorist, I know I can get a good quality image. I will be able to get a high production value movie made. And then I put great cast in front of it, which we, we were blessed with an amazing cast that came on to do it. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. So we're currently in the process of doing that movie. You can find out about how we created our crowdfunding campaign and everything over at thisismeg.com. Anything you guys could give would be great. Alms, alms for the filmmakers. <laughs> Can yeah. I have a little bit more, Governor? No, um, so, there, so it's thisismeg.com. Uh, obviously, indiefilmhustle.com is my website. Everything happens. The podcast is there. Our video content's there. Our, our blog posts and articles are there, as well as uh, we have a film school there as well, which uh, we curate not only our own courses, but some of the best courses around the around the world online. So we can you have access to that there as well. And then I recently launched the Indie Film Syndicate, which is IndieFilmSyndicate.com, which is our membership site where you have access to all of my courses plus a lot of guest instructors courses like previews where uh, you'll be able to have access to some of those as well. Uh, and that's all for a monthly fee, 17 bucks a month currently. Uh, and we have a year plan and so on. We also have the micro budget film master course in that syndicate where you'll actually see me make this is Meg and see us go through the process. And every month we upload new videos. We have content that you can talk to us. So we have a, I mean, a message board where we all interact and kind of help each other out. So it's a really great community as well. Uh, and hopefully going to be making the Producer Foundry part of that community soon. Yeah, uh, we just need to get a couple files over to you, and we're all good. That's basically where to find me. And then I do post-production. NumRobot.com is my post-production company as well. Though I'm booked up probably for the next <laughs> four or five months. <laughs> but I do that as well. You on Twitter, Facebook? Yeah, my Twitter is Indie Film Hustle. Facebook is at Indie Film Hustle as well. And my Instagram is at iFilmHustle. Hey, look at that branding. Yeah, that, uh, well, I actually, the Instagram, I had to do iFilmHustle because when I, I had Indie Film Hustle, but I went, I was a little bit too um, precocious, is the word, or aggressive <laughs> with my uh, movements in my Instagram account, trying to grow it, and they banned me. <laughs> but bringing it back around to brand consistency. <laughs> it's the only reason why my Instagram is not the same handle as everything else. <laughs> That's oddly on brand. Yeah, it's still on brand somewhat. I, I film <laughs> hustle is still. It's, it's, yes. Um, on our on our next interview with you, I want to hear the story of how you got banned from Instagram. Instagram yeah. Anyway, and from Instagram, I've been I've been smacked by Facebook. Uh, Twitter's <laughs> given me a dirty look. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's fantastic. Those are some good stories. Sometimes, you know, people don't like the aggression. <laughs> Aggressive <laughs> t take on my hustle. But you know what? At the end of the day, no one else pays my bills. You know, no one else is taking care of me or my family. So I, that's the way I always look at it. I'm like, look, I'm going to do me. And, and that's the best advice I could give anybody out there is to do you and not to try to copy anybody else as a filmmaker, as an artist. You could always be inspired by other people, but the people who have succeeded and become major brands, major filmmakers, all have their voice, not a ripoff of somebody else's voice. And that takes a tremendous amount of confidence in who you are as an artist. And that's something I've learned over the years. And now that I've kind of started doing my own thing and trying to be me, uh, I found a lot more success with Indie Film Hustle and now with my uh, with my first feature. Well, Alex Ferrari, thank you so much again for joining us on our podcast. There's one thing that uh, Alex was talking about that I think is very true, and that is both the importance of branding and the importance of that brand be genuine, particularly in this day and age. I think you write a little bit about it in your book, Ben. Wait, I wrote a book? I... You know, that little thing. That thing. Anyway, no, um, I do actually write about that. What I say in it is uh, your brand must be you. Distinctly, unapologetically, you. Yeah, and developing that authentic personal brand ahead of time is what's going to allow him to run that crowdfunding campaign with less lead-in, but with a lot of content to offer for perks and other incentives to get people to contribute. It is very good to hear that there is a school emerging specifically for filmmaking uh, in the style of Udemy, the Khan Academy, Coursera, all of those. It's a lot of what we're trying to do here at Producer Foundry, but we are entirely business focused. And it's good to hear that the other skills that you need to know are going to be available somewhere. If you want to see some of the workshops that we've done in the past, you can go to that workshop link on our webpage, producerfoundry.com. We've got some presentations from producers, entertainment lawyers, transmedia producers, and more. So, so with that, Film Insight is the Producer Foundry podcast. What is Producer Foundry, Evan? Producer Foundry is the business school for independent filmmakers. We help indie filmmakers treat their business like an entrepreneurial venture and make money doing what they love. You can find us online at ProducerFoundry.com, on Facebook, both page and group, and on Twitter at Producer Foundry. I'm Evan Pleger. You can find me at www.evanpleger.com and on Twitter at IndieEvan. And I'm Ben Yenny, and you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash thegorillarep, on Twitter at thegorillarep, and at gorillarep.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>